the past, an oral history podcast. Okay, so it's the 11th of July. My name's Heather Perkins and I'm part of the Market Garden Project. I'm here with um, Bob New in Broadway. We market gardened uh, between Evesham and Offham. I um, have tied salad onions from when I was about four. We used to send thousands and thousands of chip baskets to Ireland. Episode 1, Market Gardening. Well, welcome to our new podcast series. Did you know that The Hive is home to a vast collection of oral history recordings from all over Worcestershire? We think these fascinating stories deserve to be more widely shared. So our plan is to get them out, delve into different topics and share them with you in a series of podcasts. We'll also be talking to some of the people behind these collections and hopefully getting you so intrigued that you'll want to come in and listen to more of our recordings. First, I'd better introduce myself. My name is Julia Letts. I'm an oral history producer and I've been working with the Worcestershire archivists for nearly 20 years. And it's taken me all over the county, meeting community groups, interviewing local people and helping with recording projects. And I know what a wealth of material has been collected over the years. So I'm absolutely delighted to have been asked to delve into some of those collections and pull out a few gems for you. So we're going to start with the Archive and Archaeology Services collection of oral histories about market gardening. Well, several years ago, I was involved in a project called Women from the Vale, which focused on women's lives in the Vale of Evesham between the 1920s and the 1950s. More recently, the Archive and Archaeology Service has undertaken a market gardening heritage project, which has uncovered all sorts of things. And to find out more, I've come to an orchard in Cleve Prior to meet up with the project officer, Nina O'Hare. Nina, it's a glorious morning and uh, this is a glorious orchard. Can you tell me why you've brought me here? So we're here today because this is really where the project started. So what we can see just behind us is a small building with wooden sides and a corrugated tin roof. It's got overhangs at the sides, there's kind of small verandas that you'd have to stoop underneath them at the sides. This building is a market gardener's hovel. So hovel is just a local name really for, for a shed somewhere that was used for storage and shelter. This particular hovel was found a couple of years ago. The Cleve Prior Heritage Trust who own the orchard where we are today were clearing this corner which had lots of brambles and overgrowth. And as they were clearing it, they realized that there was a building at the back of here that they kind of got forgotten about and overgrown. This was a market gardener's hovel. It was one of the last ones in the area. And actually the memory of it had started to disappear because people have forgotten that this even was a market gardener's ground and a market gardener's shed. So that's really where the project started from. Recognition that actually there was a real need to record both the physical heritage but also people's memories from the area. So we're going to be going inside the hovel in a minute and finding out more what they discovered in there. But before that, tell me a bit about your involvement with the wider project and particularly the oral histories. Yes, the project started in 2018, so we've been running for a couple of years. The project's been in two parts, really. One has been about the physical heritage, so the buildings that are left um, in the area and recording those. We've had a survey over about 20 parishes to record these market gardeners' hovels. But we've also been recording local memories because there's such gems of stories in there and amazing tales and lots of knowledge as well. And that's not recorded anywhere else. So that's been a really important part of this project. I know you've listened back to all the recordings you've made for the project. Do you have um, any particular favourites? 
Yes, I think some of the things that have stood out the most have been some of the childhood stories. Before I started this project, you think about market gardens as being run by you know, a head of a household, someone who's doing it as a profession to support their family, which of course they were, but there were so many other people involved in market gardens as well, from you know, people who were passing through the area through to children of market gardening families. So it's been really interesting to hear you know, local people's memories from when they were children and what they got up to and how hard they worked you know, after school, at weekends and school holidays. Some people remember it as being outdoor freedom and you know, just being outdoors all the time and, and that, that was you know, a lot of freedom and wonderful for them, whilst others remember it more as being hard work in you know, all weathers and you know, the cold and the rain in the winter. Well, so we've gone into the collection and we've picked a few of those childhood memories out and we're going to have a listen to them now. Every weekend, Saturdays and Sundays, on all the school holidays, so any time that I wasn't at school, really, I went to the land with Dad. If it was the time for spring onions, then you have to, first of all, pull all the spring onions. So if it was nice weather, you'd sit on an upturned bushel box and you'd just start pulling the onions and shake off the soil and make a pile and keep moving down the piece as you were pulling the spring onions and leaving them in piles and then you'd gather them up into like a, a crate or a box. If it was nice you'd sit on the piece and just tie them or if it wasn't nice then you'd go in the shed. When we had the onions coming in, because spring onions was a big thing as well, yeah, wasn't it? Was, yeah. It was wonderful when you get them all sat round in a circle. Because yeah. I used to, and I used to love that because they were all talking. You'd think you'd be bored witless, wouldn't yes. you, when you yeah. were little? But it was actually really good, yeah, wasn't it? Was, it? Yeah. Um, and then we used to fill all the um, tin baths up to, water, to wash yeah. all the the onions and things in. Well, because when it was hot, we used to get in it, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we did in the water. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hot. We used have all the tin baths out to wash the onions yeah. in and so that was good fun yeah I remember a day when I was what 14 15 years of age when I vowed that I would pick 108 pound chip baskets of runner beans at a shilling a chip which would be five pounds for one day's work so I got up at four o'clock in the morning and by half past three, I had picked 103. When I was at Blackminster School, we had seven weeks holiday, and I picked over seven tonne of Persia plums for Emmons on the, up there, up on the Cleave Road. And, and I picked that quantity, and I earned £146. That was a lot of money in them days for a kid, for a young kid, if you know what I mean. Enormous amount. Yes. Yes. I picked black currants in the 1960s and I never made it to much more than two quid a day. Yeah, but I mean, it was a devious job, that black currant picking, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yes. When I was young, I'm talking six or seven upwards, we would upturn a few bushel boxes and throw an old dray sheet over it and put a little display of strawberries, some trays of strawberries and punnets of strawberries, and I would just sell them by the side of the road so anybody that was passing would stop and buy strawberries from me and of course you know mum mum and dad or dad and granddad and granny would be you know down the piece so they might be I don't know five minute walk down the land away from me and I'm standing by the side of the main road selling strawberries to anybody that stopped and of course you wouldn't do that nowadays but in those days you did and I can remember somebody a chap stopped once and I used to have a piece of paper so depending on how much the, the pint of strawberries was, for the sake of argument, say 10p, 
and so I'd write write down one times ten equals ten, two times ten equals twenty. So if they bought six punnets, I knew how much to charge them. And I can remember this chap stopped once and he said, oh, I'll have a couple of punnets. And I didn't know how many a couple was. So I said, oh, well, choose the ones that you'd like. And so I waited to see how many he picked up to know how much to charge him. <laughs> I love that story. The voices you heard there were Karen and Reg, Francis and Jane and Andrew talking about their childhood memories. Of course, this will resonate with so many people who spent their early lives in the fields. And as we heard there, it wasn't all fun and games. A lot of it was really hard work doing things like making crates or washing and tying spring onions in hovels like the one we're just standing outside. Nina, would you say this is a typical example of somewhere where those children would have spent all those hours tying spring onions? Well, I think the best person to answer that really is Ian, who's been with the project from the start. And I think he's waiting inside for us. OK, right. Well, take us in. Okay, so we've come inside. Let's just shut the door. We've come inside. Hi, Ian. Uh, very nice to meet you. So could you tell me a little bit about your background with this project and um, explain where we are? Um, the hovel is actually positioned on the land that belongs to Cleve Pryor Heritage Trust. And um, a couple of years ago, they were clearing all the brambles and found this shed. Um, not knowing what it was, they were going to knock it down and take it away. And they approached me as part of the history group, the local history uh, society, to see if I wanted any of the bits and pieces inside. Um, when we looked inside, we realised it was a treasure trove. And on clearing it, we just found a fantastic collection of gardening artefacts and market gardening artefacts. So we've walked inside. It feels a little bit like a time capsule in here. I feel like I've, I've stepped back to, I don't know, 1950s? Yeah, it was owned by a chap called Edgar Wheeler. He was from a local family, farming family. His uncle had the main farm in North Littleton. He was a market gardener, as was his father, Edgar. Um, he worked on the railways. His father was a bricklayer, but they had all these strips. Now they wouldn't just have the one that we're in today, he had two on this in this area that we are um, in Cleve Prior, but he had some more further up the Vale. On the principle of strip farming from the medieval times, they would share the good land and the bad land out. So there's quite a lot of things in this shed which tell us a little bit about Edgar's life and lifestyle. Can you talk me through some of them? Yeah, he was um, a very keen Birmingham City supporter and used to report on, on the matches for the newspaper. Um, they didn't have the internet or, or, or phones, so he had a standard form which he used to fill out with a match report and post it on the Saturday night. And we even have blanks here, and the stamps on the back, because they're all pre-stamped, were, were all pre-1936. So talking of some of the things that we can see in here, there's obviously things to do with living in the hovel, but also things to do with market gardening. Can you point out a few of those for me? Yeah, um, two aspects of uh, the agriculture. One was the specialist um, uh, implement. So here we see the um, asparagus, the, the formers that they've made to bundle asparagus. They look a bit like a, uh, a Japanese clog but um, it was so that get the bundles a standard size. We can see the old copper um, fruit spraying um, backpack. Uh, again, copper and leather. Um, we um, 
Plus we can also see here a, a new box of punnets and the punnets were the small soft root punnets uh, then you had the bigger ones that would do things like gooseberries and plums um, he used to grow out of here um, uh, plums, apples, pears, a lot of soft fruit the uh, soft fruit um, was the main uh, money crop they did grow things like beans and peas uh, but they didn't bring the return that the soft fruit did. At the top of his other orchard, he did grow cherries, and it, it was um, to look after the cherries that he stayed in his hovel overnight. Gillian Gould has told us that uh, as a child, she lived over the road, uh, and she could remember him living in the hovel for days on end when it was the cherry time. So turning back to you, Nina, is this hovel typical of the ones you've come across in this project? Yes, it is in some ways. Obviously, there's lots left inside, which most of them don't have anymore. But all the hovels seem to be as individual as the growers who built and used them. The projects restored three hovels. So this one here in Cleve Prior and two on the community orchard in North Littleton. And they kind of range in size and construction um, as the hovels across the Vale did. And during your research, have you come across any novel uses of hovels? Yes, as well as being used for storage and shelter, the, you know, these functional uses, they were big social hubs as well. Quite a lot of them were used for brewing homemade alcohol, so therefore, you know, in the evenings and at weekends, people would congregate and, you know, have a drink inside and, and tell stories. But some of them had kind of quirkier uses as well, so we know that there was one in the Littletons that was used once a month as a pop-up barber's. Quite a few of them had nicknames too, there was quite a lot of humour involved. There was one in the Littletons called the Vatican where uh, kind of a smoky fire would be lit um, when the alcohol was ready. Um, we've also got a wonderful photograph in the archives of a very tiny wooden hovel in Badsey with two gentlemen sat outside and there's a sign on it saying Savoy Hotel, which I think is just kind of, yeah, lots of lovely humour and irony there. I love that. So we've gone back into the collection and we've chosen a few extracts of people talking about their hovels and sheds. We had several hovels on the site, used for storage, or some were just used basically for shelter. It would be a small hovel on the corner of a piece of land, and if it rained, it was somewhere you could get out of the rain. We just called them sheds. We never called them a hovel. Up at Moor Hill, there was a three-sided wooden structure that was literally just probably big enough for two people to stand in that was angled at such a, a point so that it was against the prevailing wind so if you were caught down the bottom of the land when it started raining you got somewhere to shelter. Years before then they had them built for putting the dray in and, and keeping the horse in the winter you know that's what they used to use it for and then when the horse is going to die out a bit they could cut the machinery in the ovals yeah. All the gardeners had small ovals they used to congregate at lunchtime and talk about to say uh, who got the best asparagus or best beans or so, you know what I mean? With a bit of bread and cheese and onion, if you know what I mean? It was good, it was good. My uncle used to sit in the hovel there day after day, thrashing because he all saved his own seed, rubbing his own seed out, leek seed and sprout seed and all that, and he'd sit there in the winter day after day with the fire going. Rubbing seed out. 
he specialised in breeding leeks. And then when he died, it was even said, like, that he was a specialist in leek breeding. They used to invite you in because it was cold and wet outside and you'd have mulled cider and there's another guy who used to take you to his shed and give you a, a glass of uh, whatever he got in his barrels. The worst was the uh, perry, which is made from pears, which sort of numbed your lips and took the lining off your mouth, but it was pretty good stuff. Bringing back memories of Scrumpy I had as a child, the voices you heard there were Robert, Karen, Tom, Reg, Henry and Bob. And the thing I really love about oral history is the way people talk about what they used to do. With some people, it's as if you are there with them, transported back into their past. You can almost see what they're talking about. And with others, you can hear it in their voice. Sometimes the pain, also the fun, it's just what it meant to them. Well, I've come back outside and I've been joined by another of the Market Gardening Heritage Project's volunteers, Tracy. Tracy, firstly, tell me a little bit about your background, how you got involved with the project. Well, I come from a long line of market gardeners um, from the Cotswolds. My father and his father before him, over 100 years, they had um, fields of sprouts, strawberries, pear orchards, plum orchards, cherry orchards, everything. So um, it's all very nostalgic for me to do this project and I've, that's what I've really enjoyed about it. Um, I'd already been doing some practical work with the Vale Landscape Heritage Trust and I saw this project announced in one of the newsletters. So it seemed right up my street. Lovely. So uh, what have you been doing in the project? Well, I started off by doing the hovel surveys. Um, we did the walkovers, which is checking which hovels are still there and which ones um, we could survey. Then we ended up doing the surveying of the hovels, which was absolutely fascinating. The best bit about that were meeting the, the people that owned the hovels and having a chat with them and seeing what they'd done either to restore them to their current state or how they'd used them in the past. And I gather that you did do some of the oral histories as well. Had you ever done anything like that before? No, I'd never done anything like that before. It was fascinating. It was great to learn how to use the equipment and it was wonderful to meet the people involved. So did you have a favourite recording you were involved in? Yes, I certainly did, and that was Mr Pierce's. We met him and his wife Rita in his caravan on the site of where his market garden was. They were so lovely and welcoming and they were quite pleased that we were interested in their background to be honest with you. Uh, Mr Pierce had so many stories it would have been lovely to have had more time to have listened to more to be honest with you. He had a hugely varied background. Um, as a child he helped out on the farm then he became a market gardener himself then he became a pub landlord then he had racehorses. He was fascinating. Thank you Tracy and we're going to listen to a little bit of that recording with Henry Pierce now. I mean, it sounds silly now, but we used to dig all the glass, all the grounding under glass. We used to dig it three times a year, each crop. It was all dug by hand, you know, and uh, we used to have days and days just digging ground. And I think to myself, now what a waste of time that was. Oh, we was murdered to sleep with him because where he was digging, his leg was going like that all the time. My leg used to jump at night because you used to, used to keep on digging at night. I can't believe that you know anybody would do that amount of work now, but I mean we did, and that was it. My granddad, when he had the place, he wouldn't even allow rubber wheel wheelbarrows in the greenhouses. 
because he thought it compacted the soil too much when he was doing it. Well, I mean, we'd gone over that period, but we still dug it. Oh, damned hard work. But there you are. You didn't think so at the time. You just carried on and done it. Were other family members involved in at different times of the year when there was more work to do? We, uh, we, I employed two people when I took it over uh, full time. I just had casual labour after that. Because in them days you could walk into a pub and pick up people that wanted to come and do work. You only had to walk into the Red Horse and they'd be fighting say, I want a couple of sprout pickers tomorrow and there'd be a lot of people wanting to do it. But you ask them now, my God, they wouldn't be, you wouldn't get one in a month, let alone on a Sunday. And Rita said to me the one day, I always remember it because she used to do the wages. She said, these two blokes who come Saturday and Sunday, they have more money every week than we do. <laughs> and they did. We used to take a, a few quid out of it every week, like for wages, and I was paying them more for sprout picking than I was earning myself. But there you are. We didn't go short, though. No, we never went short. <coughs> well, I always made a good living somehow or other. And, I mean, it, it was repetitive, really, wasn't it? You just done your lettuce the first crop, and then your, your tomatoes followed, and then a radish crop if you was lucky at the end, and then started all over again. The voices you heard there were Henry and his wife Rita, and Tracy's fellow interviewer Sarah. I hope listening to some of the voices from the Market Gardening Heritage Project has interested and inspired you. The whole collection is in the county archives based at the Hive in Worcester. So if you'd like to listen to the full interviews, do get in touch with the archivists and I'm sure they'll be able to help you. There's also a fantastic website called Explore the Past with lots more information about the project. And you can see photos and documents on there and listen to extracts from the oral histories. And there's an amazing school resource. So if you're a teacher who's listening to this, do go online and see what you can find there. So I'm afraid that's it for our first podcast. My thanks to Nina, Ian and Tracy for sharing their experiences of the Market Gardening Heritage Project and to Neil Mercer for the music accompanying this podcast, which was composed for the Women from the Vale Project a few years ago. In our next podcast, I'll be delving into a different oral history collection in the county's sound archive and hopefully finding some more treasures for you. Well, till then, thanks for listening and goodbye. Okay, shall we stop there? I'll just end by saying that this life of mine has been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, so thank you very much. Well, thank you for giving interested. <laughs> I wouldn't have done anything else in my life, I tell you now, I think it was a marvellous life.